Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 89 of The Yacking Show. This is where we talk about life and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for the changing world we're living in, and it's certainly changing every day at the moment. As always, we have interesting guests. Today's guest is no exception. This is going to be a really interesting story, but it's not my job to introduce guests. Kathleen does it so much better than I do, so let me first welcome my co-host, Kathleen down in Waterloo. How are we doing today, Kathleen? We're doing great, and the sun is shining for once, so I'll take it. Nice. <laughs> Despite the cold weather, but uh, I'm doing great. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you, and we love reading your comments. So please do keep them coming. And if anyone out there is interested in uh, being a guest on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And if you're enjoying our shows, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another special guest with us today. She is a wonderful author. Her name is Jacqueline Alkion. Jacqueline, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Jacqueline, you've, you are the author of a book titled A Lovebird Named Lucy. And we'll get to that in a little bit. But you have such an interesting background, and we have to talk about that because you were born in Iran. You left Iran as a refugee. Can you please elaborate on that story and how you ended up immigrating to the United States? Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, at the time when we left Iran, it was 1989, it wasn't much equal freedom. Um, and a place for opportunity, especially for women. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was my dad's decision to raise my sister and I in a country where there is more opportunities, where we can get our education, we can have a career, and we can have a better lifestyle for ourselves. So he basically sold everything, sacrificed, you know, leaving his parents, leaving his brothers, leaving his sister, the entire family, uh, for us to move out of the country as refugees. So we went to Turkey. Uh, we stayed in Turkey for about a month. And then from Turkey, we went to Germany. And we were in Germany for three and a half years. So basically, that was, that was his decision. You know, like, I want better opportunity for you guys. I want you guys to get your education. Like I said, now it's different. Now there are, you know, like my first cousin who's a nurse, got her education, has a great career. But at that time, it was extremely, extremely difficult. Um, I wouldn't have the life I have today. So I'm, so I'm very proud where I come from or who I am, but I'm honored and blessed to be in America and have succeeded and have had the opportunities I've had here. Wonderful. Excellent. Very good. Congratulations on doing all that. Yes, absolutely. And just for the benefit of our viewers, you actually are in California. Is that right? Correct. I am in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So what was it like? Um, because I guess English wasn't your home language back in Iran, right? No, it was. I grew up learning Assyrian was my home language. Mm -hmm. And then Farsi was the official language, which you have. Farsi was the official language. Yeah. And then Turkish, I learned, you know, because my grandma spoke it. So I spoke three languages as a child. Right. So Turkey German? wasn't too difficult. I'm sorry? Did you learn German as well? 
while in Germany? Yes, when we, yeah. So that, it was a huge adjustment, right? Going from a country to a Westernite country, not knowing anybody, not having any family around, learning the language and getting acclimated. It was a very, very huge adjustment in Germany. And then, like I said, I was a kid, I didn't know any better. So I'm like seeing all these people, you know, like dressed openly, roaming <laughs> around, holding hands. So I'm like, that's what's going on. Aren't they gonna <laughs> because Iran is not like that. It's Islamic and there's no freedom. So it definitely in Germany, it was a huge adjustment for us. We struggled a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but coming to the United States, no. Um, it was much easier because like I said, we were acclimated to that and it was just learning the language. Again, we were still young enough to learn it quickly, so mm -hmm. we picked it up. So you did most of your schooling in the U.S. then, did you, Jacqueline? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I was okay. 13 when we came to the U.S. Okay, yeah. so high, high school you did, yeah. yeah. I, I really um, take my hat off to you because, I, as you can hear from my accent, I haven't been in Canada all my life. I lived in Africa most of my life, and I spoke English. It was my home language. But uh, British English, as spoken in Southern Africa, is quite different to North American English. So I, I being an English speaker, I had quite a few confusing and uh, misunderstandings, let's put it that way, when I came here. So I can just imagine someone who didn't know English would have really struggled. So, so well, well done in that. And uh, anything else that stands out in your mind in, in all those transitions from Iran to Turkey to Germany to the US? Is there some milestones that you would talk about? Yeah, I think the only struggle was, you know, generally when people leave Iran, especially Christians, right? Um, the whole family generally, you know, follows, yes. whether it's the yes. parents, whether it's a brother, whether it's a sister, fall. With us, it wasn't. Um, you know, all our families, yeah, all our families still in Iran. Since then, you know, God rest their souls, but my grandparents have passed away. So just not seeing your family and just being a small, you know, my parents, my sister and I, it was a struggle, you know, so you mm -hmm. have to, you obviously, we, we, you know, we met people, we have cousins now in America, you know, you make a family of your own, but not having your immediate family with you and, you know, distance, um, it can be challenging. So I oh, yes. the hardest part, especially my dad sacrificing everything um, was difficult to watch. Sure. No, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. I know that uh, Kathleen's got another question she wanted to ask you. Well, I have Thank a couple you. actually. So well, I know. Yes. <laughs> um, because you came over as refugees, and you're not allowed to go back even for a visit. There's has that connection in terms. No, we can. You, we so can. you are able to go back, because, and you're mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. So once have, you get the green, once you get the green card, or you become a citizen, you're, you're okay to go back. Wow. Okay. But sorry, can I jump in there? But now that you're an American citizen, what's the reception like when you go to Iran now though? In Iran, are you, is it okay? Oh yeah. I, and I okay. went into that. My parents go every three few years actually. Okay. Again, because especially when their parents were alive, they wanted to see them. My dad sure. goes to sure. see them. Um, uh, I went in 2006. Um, it was right after I got my master's. I'm like, Dad, I've worked so hard. I've been working since I was 14 <laughs> years old. I'm an adult now. I want to go back and see our family. My mom's side, my dad's side, everybody. 
So we did, you know, I got his ticket, my ticket, we went to Iran and it was the most beautiful experience as, of my life as an adult to experience Iran. Mm -hmm. It was different. Like I said, when I grew up there, you have to wear like, you know, a chador or yeah. a mask. Yeah, you're fully covered. Uh, but at that time in 2006, I had a small scarf on and my hair was down and, you know, I was careful, of course, but it sure. wasn't strict when I grew up 30 years ago. Obviously. So, so the animosity that we read about against, from Iran against America in the media, that, that is, um, is not, doesn't affect the average person like yourself then? Eh? Not at all. There's oh, that's so, good. Yeah, not at all. Not good at all. to hear. Good. So, so Jacqueline, you have a degree in psychology and a, a master's in education, but you became a human resources director in your career. How, how was that? How did that evolve? So I always wanted to be a therapist, specifically a psychologist, which is why I had the psychology degree and a bachelor's and my minors was sociology. So, and I evolved in it, honestly, throughout my high, my high school, in beginning college years, I worked for Mervyn's. And Mervyn's and Target back then were brother-sister companies. So I worked for the home department, jewelry department, all that. So when I received my bachelor's uh, from California State University, which is in Northern California, Turla, mm -hmm. California, I moved to LA. It was 9-11, so it was oh. different. It was difficult to find jobs. So I'm like, I talked to my sister because my sister moved a year prior to me here. So um, I talked to my sister. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put a suit on and go visit like big organizations or any company I can get into, give my resume and see what I'll find. This is a long story, but I'll keep it short. I'll never forget. I walked into Target. And there was a cashier. I said, listen, I work for Mervyn's. I know it's a brother-sister company. I'm willing to have any management positions. Doesn't matter. I just want to get my foot in the door. What do you have? She's like, you need to speak to our store manager. His name is Bob. Bob comes, meets me. He's like, let's go to our office. The first thing he says, what's your name again? I said, Jacqueline. He said, tell me about you. So I tell him a little bit about me and my background, just like what we discussed. He's like, wow, you have an accent. <laughs> so that's what caught his eye, like the mm -hmm. accent. And then he's like, all right, you talk to me about your experience. He's like, do you know what HR is? I said, no, I, even at Mervyn's, I never saw one or came across one. So he explained to me what HR is. He said, listen, Jacqueline, you're very young and it's going to be a very, very a thorough interview process. You probably have to go through seven different interviews and have wow. to leadership, human resources, and a customer service assessment. So it's not going to be easy, but I see your passion. I see your drive. And I see like, you know, you want to do well in life. And I think you will. So I'm going to submit your resume and I'm going to um, basically like uh, cheer for you. And I hope you get it. Don't ask me how I got it. <laughs> I honestly, because I didn't know anything about HR or leadership or yet customer service, but I think I just answered the assessment as common sense. Like I told myself mm -hmm. to answer it as if common sense, use common sense. So three months later, they contacted me and they said, you have a job as a store human resources manager um, at the West Hills, um, California office. And that's how my career started. 
Ah, interesting, interesting. And we just wish that all young people found somebody like your Bob to set them off on their career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, wow. And I no. love it. And I loved it so much that I just stayed in it because it mm -hmm. has so many facets to it. And you can go to so many subject matter, you know, areas with it, recruiting, training, employee relations, development, workers' comp, payroll, whatever you want to do. So if at the right now I'm a generalist, I do everything um, in my title as a VP of HR. But, you know, if I want to focus in one specialty, I can easily go into that. So mm -hmm. that's the I love. I love helping people and I love socializing. So it just, it's just a natural for me. A natural. Excellent. Very good. Very good. So in, in your bio, you say you're well, you're well traveled. So, so we're apart from back to Iran, of course, and Germany and Turkey and the US, where else have you been? And, and what's your favorite destination? Yeah, I've been to Europe a lot, Italy, France, Netherlands, Amsterdam, um, many more probably that I'm forgetting, but I went to St. Martin. I've been to Jerusalem. I've been to mm -hmm. Thailand and honestly Jerusalem was one of my favorite countries really interesting yeah Just the yeah. culture um, people food uh, yeah I loved it there well let's interesting. get let's get on to your book so first of all what led you to start writing and in particular this particular book entitled a love bird named Lucy I always wanted to be an author. I didn't know what type of author, children's fiction, my own biography, whatever that entails. So man, I think it's been about four years when I got my lover named Lucy, um, an incident happened. Two years into that, I was visiting my parents in Turlock, California. I lost Lucy. We were sitting in the backyard all of a sudden, somehow she managed to open the door to her cage wow. and fly away. I found her after six days of being lost. So this book, basically, it's in inspired me to write it because it's based on a true story. And I don't want to give it all away, but it's basically what happened within those six days. Who found her? Who adopted her? how I found her. So it's basically a tale of our journey. And it's, it's specifically written geared to children. Is that right? Correct. It's a children's book. I mean, adults read it and they relate to it and they love it. They say, oh my God, I had a pet when I was young and I lost it and found it. So, you know, and I think the message, my message here is don't lose hope, mm -hmm. especially children. You know, no, if we don't try, we'll never know what's going to happen. So I could have That's easily right. given up. Everybody around me said, it's a small lovebird. There's no way you're going to find her. She's gone. Yeah, but if I don't try, if I wouldn't have put flyers, that flyer ended up on Facebook. <laughs> so wow. They took that flyer, put it on Lost and Found in Turla, California Facebook page. And she had over a thousand comments, and that's how she was found. Wow, very good, eh? very good. Oh, that's mm -hmm. a lovely story. Lovely story. And again, we'll suggest to our listeners, with children and adults, get hold of Jacqueline's book, <laughs> which is a, a good point, I think, to to tell our listeners um, how they can get your book while we're talking about yeah. the book. 
Yeah, they can go to my website, www.alovebirdnamedlucy.com, basically the title. Mm -hmm. On Instagram, they can follow me on Instagram and just follow the journey, Jacqueline underscore Alkion. And Facebook is the same, Jacqueline Alkion. And it's also available on Amazon. Right. And on Amazon. That's great. That's great. So I've got to ask you, is there another book in the pipeline? Absolutely. And it should be hopefully published by spring. I'm, I'm shooting for March, mid-March. Excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about what, it, what yeah. to look forward to? Yeah, absolutely. So Lucy's in it and it's Audrey and Lucy's adventures in the garden. So ah. what animals are they going to find in the garden and how are they going to, you know, uh, maintain and feed those animals. So it's about their journey in the garden with other animals. Ah, interesting. Interesting. That's very good. So I, I've got a question for you that I, I hadn't thought of before. Late in life, I got really interested in history. Uh, I, I hated history at school and uh, I passed my exams, but not, but I just scraped through. So I don't know. I, I don't know if it happens to all people as they get old, but later in life, I got very interested in history. And I, I'd mentioned to you before we started the show, um, my acquaintance with a lady from Persia as she, as it was then. And, uh, the culture and the books and the beautiful poetry and that. So when you mention Assyrian and Farsi and what is the, that's different to most of people who live in Iran, is it? What am I missing? So I'm missing something here. Yeah. So Assyrians, we are Mesopotamia. Okay. Right. And then, so our ethnicity is that Um, we're Christian. They can be Catholic, um, you know, so that, that, that's that. And then Iranians are, and they can be different, yes, cultures in Iran as well. It's mm-hmm. just back in BC, our country was Iraq, but Nahrin. When it demolished, yes. was taken away, you know, Assyrians, you know, were, you know, turned, turned to go to different countries around the world. And, you know, that's where they migrated and made a home for themselves. So you'll find Assyrians in Iraq, in Iran, in Turkey, okay. in other parts of the world. I'm with you. I'm with you. And and again, for those of our readers who who are Christian and who follow Christian history, some of the very earliest monasteries and uh, convents were in your part of the world, in in what is now Iran and Syria. Correct. Yep, I can't exactly. I can't remember the name of the first one in Syria, but I know it's one of the oldest in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in, very interesting. So now, okay, I got the, I got a better picture. Thank you for that. Of course. Oh, what an interesting conversation to have you on this show. My goodness. But if somebody were interested in contacting you directly, Jacqueline, how would they do that? Yeah, they can. Um, re- I'm on LinkedIn under Jacqueline Alkion. Again, my website, um, okay. there's a section that they can contact me on, on www.alovebirdnamedlucy.com. Okay. And I have another question, if we've got a minute, Kathleen. I think and it's, we do. it's one of my favorites when, when I meet and in, get the privilege of talking to, to successful people like yourself. I have to ask this question, and it's really pertinent to you being in HR. With your experience in HR and in life in general, and, and particularly having got to the States originally as a refugee, what sets the successful people apart from the ones who are not successful? What's the, what's the magic difference in your opinion? I think it's your parents and your yourself, your drive, your upbringing. Like my dad, like I said, 
when we came to this country, I was 14 years old. And he's like, I'm going to put you at the Assyrian American Civic Club. It was reception. Granted, I was young. Um, but he was like, I'll have you volunteer there, work there, get the experience so you can, you know, get get yourself started. And you, and then I worked there and then I would come home and be like that. This is so difficult. This is so difficult. He's like, exactly. This is why I brought you here. Have the hunger, have the drive, go get your education so you can be your own boss. Right. So I think they were a mentor. They didn't care mm -hmm. what did but they were always a shield a rock to us and they put that drive and passion in us for us to be somebody and me and my sister could have honestly just disregarded that but we were mature enough our parents sacrificed so much for us so we're in a country where there's so much opportunity we can be anybody we want as long as we try doesn't mean we fail we did but we got back up to make them proud so it's, it's dual. To me, it's dual. It's how your upbringing and, you know, what your parents uh, instill in you and you yourself, you become, you have to be mature at some time to understand the difference of what I want and what I need and what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, very good. And a good lesson for young people, anyone watching this video, listen to your parents when they're trying to help you get ahead. <laughs> But also, Thanks for that, Jackson. I think there's also a common theme, isn't there, Peter? Uh, a lot of people that we've interviewed that have been very successful entrepreneurs, they they talk about persistence, consistency, and focus. Focus. Determination and perseverance. Mm -hmm. I think those are key qualities that I think um, we see throughout all of Absolutely. the interviews that Absolutely. we've done of these successful people. Yeah. And it seems to be something that immigrants get the idea quicker than, and I'm not just talking about North America, than people who've, who's, who've been in the same country for generations. Um, the number of immigrants I've come across, and I'm an immigrant myself, and they have done well. And I said, we've done it because we had to, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like you're saying. So very good. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Jacqueline, I think we're almost out of time so we thank yeah. you so very much for tuning in and being on the show today so thank you so much and thank you all for tuning into our show we so appreciate you and we appreciate your comments so please keep them coming we love reading them anyone out there that's interested in being a guest on our show don't uh, hesitate to reach out to either peter or myself so until next time take care everyone bye